Alrighty, the Creekcast review of a massive fucking smashing win. The Port Adelaide we've all known has been there this year. Just haven't quite got it together, but finally this week we did. A big, massive 95-point win over Carlton, our biggest win in seven years, coincidentally. Over Carlton the last time we won a game even close to that magnitude and, and such an impressive win. It was in the end after um, all the starts and all the st- <laughs> little little bits of um, stress that the Port Adelaide team have given us at this times this year. We still got a bit of that in this one too. So it was the best of a best of all the world to guess, but um, a massive win, lots to talk about, and it's really exciting to get to play this song. We played it heading out of the Convention Centre car park on uh, Saturday nights, and uh, we'll hear it again now on the podcast. Let's go. Johnny Big Redemption like Long time about Hold up Whoa, 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 whoa Get out the way, get out the way Get out the way, yeah, yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. Yeah, yeah You either with me or against me, ho You either with me or Win, 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 win Fuck everything else Win, 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 win Fuck everything else, but from a 95 point win against the Carlton Footy Club. Um, Soz Carlton, that was rough. I'm sure that was rough for all your fans watching, but maybe not completely unexpected considering a few of the big star players that were missing on the night. But um, yeah, nothing takes... nothing. No excuses probably uh, work when you've lost by 95 points. Um, I know a few of the Port Adelaide losses over the years, um, especially in those dark years, <sighs> didn't fucking matter that we were... We were dog shit team you still were losing by 100 plus points and it just it just hurts there's nothing nothing there's no excuses for it and um yeah but we were we were incredible the other day um we finally pulled together a bit of that run that we know i've and anyone that listens to this podcast semi-regularly and i love each and every one of you um you know i've talked time and time again this year about just the consistency we've had periods in games so many times this year where it'd be essen at the start of the year um, Kangaroos at the start, in the f- very first game of the year, once we got a run on, um, in a game that had a similar kind of feel to it, like we, we was a bit um, tight early on, and we got a run on late in the second quarter, and and kind of just played it out after that, and we were never we never headed it from that point. But then Essendon, St Kilda, um, the Crows earlier in the year, uh, whether it be um, Fremantle when we got a run on and let them get back into it, Hawthorne got a run on, they got back into it a little bit. Um, uh, GWS a few weeks back. You know, there's been so many games where we've had a run on where we've completely looked like the dominant team and then the other team we've just... And whether it's game management um, and, and then injuries over the uh, over the course of the middle part of the year in particular just possibly kept that that, that flow and that structure that we've, we've now got a bit more because we're getting more of the um, heavy hitters back. Um, it just didn't allow for our team to just keep going on like we did this week. But it's, it's been something I keep asking for is just... Um, a little bit more of that consistency in game because we want to see because we don't want to we don't want to get out to a you know a 35 40 point lead have the other team get a couple of quick ones and then get into a battle of attrition again because it's not good um I mean fan confidence and team confidence maybe it's just me as a fan I fucking hate it um team confidence probably just isn't great to just sit there and go fuck we've done all this hard work and now we've got to really grind it out and even just for a year you know once you get out to a 40 50 point lead um, freak injuries happen, but you're not, you know, you just, you just, we want to find a way to manage the game, um, still playing hard footy, but getting out to that lead, you come, you, you don't need to be crashing in, you know, in the last five minutes of game, you don't want to have your star players having to 
smash in and you know get a ball kicked into their face because they're having to make a desperate smother. That kind of thing. That's what you try and avoid if you get get out to a comfortable lead against one of these good teams. And that's what I've you know, and it's that's it's a minor thing, but in general, it's just for for your um, overall structure of the game and and your team, you want to have the confidence that you can go on and, and, and not have this happen. Now, this year, we've actually done an incredible job of taking those little runs that teams have given us when we've gotten ahead and then and then closing out the game reasonably comfortably without being the good percentage booster we've been looking for. Um, and, I've, I, and you know, every review I've done of those games, I've said, look, we got the job done. It just would have been nice once we got that run on to keep it going a little bit or at least not let it get back to, you know, from 48 points in front let it get back to about 22 points because, you know, you've let a team halve your, halve your um, advantage pretty quickly. And then from that point on, I've said it before, it's likely that your team is going to be trying, we have the trust in this Port Adelaide team, a reasonable trust in them at this point, that despite being challenged that they can get get the job done. So that's that's good. And they have they have stood up to that this year. But still, when a team gets within that margin, that miracles are possible. That's the kind of thing. You're leaving yourself open to that miracle late go- late game run from a team. We've seen those comebacks before in AFL and whatever whatever other sport you want to think of. You give a team a sniff and it's every chance of it happening. So, you know, this 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 um, has been something that I've just been worried about all year. I just want, not worried about, but I just wanted to see our team just put the hammer down, you know, get... Get put, get in front and stay in front and keep increasing it. Oh, and boy, oh boy, did they fucking do it this week. Honestly, um, wasn't quite expecting it to go to be <laughs> 19 goals unanswered, nine goals in the last quarter, all that stuff. You know, we're only 41 points up at three-quarter time. Would have been at that point, I was just hoping that we'd win by at least 40 because um, just the way the season had gone, I thought, oh, the last quarter's just going to just going to peter out but no they decided that they were going to give us a show our last home game until finals um the team just decided all right we're going to get the theatrics out boys and um kick a few snags and have a little bit of fun and um and pile on the pressure and get a bit of percentage which um uh, that's another thing i've been asking for is a bit of percentage get us in the hunt now we're only um you know a a little bit off uh, very close to geelong's percentage which um you know depending how this weekend goes um it's very likely that the best possible position we could have is second maybe but um if Geelong win but it's a close win and then we win by a little bit more comfortable margin there's any every chance we could finish top so that's that is amazing thing number one out of this result this weekend out of uh, and this is this is also an aside to Western Bulldogs result is that We've given ourselves a very good chance. Of, well, it's in our own hands. We can we win this weekend. We finish top two. That is amazing. We win this weekend by a decent amount, and Geelong have to scrape over the line. We finish top. If Geelong and Melbourne draw, um, and Melbourne's percentage, actually, I'd have to look it up. I'll look it up while I'm chatting um, and chin wagging a little bit here. Um, Melbourne's percentage is healthy, so um, <laughs> probably not going to finish top with a draw. But if Geelong get the job done on Melbourne, because Melbourne are two points ahead of us and Geelong, um, if Geelong get the job done in Melbourne, but it's very, very close, we get the job done a little bit more comfortably, there's every chance we can finish top. I'm not a mathematician. Who knows how the percentage would shake? I don't know what, what percent, like if Geelong won by one point, how much we'd need to win, but I don't know. Um, I'm not going to try and figure it out while I'm on the podcast because I just, I'm having beer and don't want to do the math because that'll hurt my brain and I just don't want to go through that right now. I'm enjoying this. Um, and math, the math generally isn't enjoyable enjoyable to me but um yeah i'm th- we've left us the, the main thing about this is we've um 
with an incredible run of form that has actually seen us be the form team since the bye, um, after, <laughs> which is incredible considering we uh, lost Geelong straight out of the bye and then lost to Melbourne a couple of weeks later. Um, other teams have been falling away and we've just kept on getting the job done. We've been um, flat-track bullying who we should flat-track bully and this week we went flat-track bully Super Saiyan, one for the Dragon Ball Z fans out there. Um, we, we just And that's the thing about this, and I've said it before in this podcast and I'll say it again. Flat-track bully tag is hilarious to me because you're insulting a team for consistently beating up on the teams they should and then losing against fellow good teams okay i guess fine like oh that sucks oh man i hate being us we're good uh, like what are we talking about here our record is 24 and 0 in the last two years against bottom eight or bottom 10 teams so you're insulting us for that Okay, cool. We're in the top four, locked in now, thank you, um, to that Carlton win, and giving ourselves every chance of a top two finish and a small chance of (laughs) finishing top, which four weeks ago, no one is predicting for it. Four weeks ago, it's, I mean, Porter getting the jobs done, but the shit there, um, unpredictable, and I I don't know, I just don't have any faith in him. And and that's the talk now still, to be fair. But, uh, hey, fuck it, let him keep talking, we'll just keep doing our job. Um, it's a great position to be in, what we've done, um, or what this result has done. Um, the, car- the biggest thing with the going in this weekend was uh, beat Carlton and lock in top four, but um, get beat Carlton by that amount gives us a lot of confidence, um, a lot of uh, a lot of feeling to the fans that there's um, a lot of excitement to look forward to. Finally seeing that consistent run and some, uh, and some of the best parts of what our team can offer um, was incredible as well. Seeing, you know, Butters getting better and better with the game, uh, Dersma getting more game time in. Willem Drew just grows with every game. Bergman as well, coming off a Rising Star nomination, um, had an incredible game again. He's just looking so much more than his age as a player. His body looks... In, he's, I've said it um, uh, before on the pod as well. How many times am I going to say I've said it before? I don't know why I'm doing that a lot this po- episode, but anyway, um, Bergman, um, he's, just, he's got an incredible uh, rig... <laughs> I can't believe I just said that, but impressive-looking man. But he's uh, he's he looks like in in this sense I'm talking about. He looks like an AFL ready. He's looked like an AFL ready player for um, ever since he's coming to the side, and, and he's um and he's playing. He's the he's just playing a level of footy that looks beyond his um current stature as far as games played and all that. He just looks he looks far more mature for his age as an AFL player, and that is an incredible spot for us to be in because. You know, he's got so much more growth, so much more learning to do in the game. But um, again, la- last week he was incredible, got a couple of goals. And then he's just such a utility player. He, he does it at both ends of the field as well, which is incredible. So um, just so much so much good to come out of that game with what we're seeing from the different guys around the field. Um, like I said, getting back to more full strength and um, just an incredible performance all over the field. So i got to take a breath, have a little bit of beer. i got I got some Pirate Life. I uh, picked up a carton of their California Pale uh, while I was down there on the weekend. I'll talk about um, talk about the week, uh, the couple of days leading into the game and um, later in the pod. With a little little quick stopover we had in Port Adelaide for a couple of nights after a workshop I did on Thursday, which I'll talk about towards the end of the pod as well. So a bit to come, but um, a little quick break and we'll get more into the Carlton game. The Carlton game itself rather than the ramifications of it. So, yeah, we'll get into it. Alrighty, so um, a nice little day in Adelaide on Saturday. Um, the weather's... It's been a pretty pretty one of the wettest winters we've had in a while here in Adelaide. Just rain and rain and rain and rain and rain. Um, it's been pretty dour, really. <laughs> um, 
you just kind of get up half prepared to walk out and find it raining, and that's an unusual thing for our part of the world. Um, but um, the Friday and Saturday brought with it some good weather. We're starting to come towards the end of August, so the end of winter, that little just taste of spring in the air, but we've still got a bit of winter to go. I think there's going to be some more rain coming, but the great thing about Saturday was it brought with it some warm weather and sunny days and um, the promise of going to the footy game without having to worry about bringing a jacket, which was nice. I enjoyed that. I even wore shorts, which I haven't done to a footy game for a fair while. Um, it was a little bit one of those days where you actually just didn't know exactly what kind of dress to come up with. It was like, do I go shorts and shirt? Do I go shorts and long sleeve with a jersey over the top? Do I go to jeans and then long sleeve? I was just, I was, I don't know, I was just went with shorts because we were heading out to um, do some drinking beforehand and um, run a few errands. So, yeah, it was a little bit of up in the air, and but it was just a nice thing to be going to the footy with that kind of weather and wine. So, but with that in mind, it was just, oh, you know, there was some hope in me already with um, the fact we were playing Carlton in the last home game. I was going into the game fairly confident and um, hoping that we'd, um, with the, the weather, the you know, the weather prospects and all that stuff that, um, while in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, you know, there might be a bit, bit of getting used to to be playing in that kind of weather with a bit of heat and sun around. But, uh, you know, it's good conditions for footy. There's no excuses for bad ball handling and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was <laughs> the start of the game. Um, oh, fuck me. Um, it's <laughs> I tweeted from the account at one point um, in that first quarter, I think, um, that these cre- the, the, these um, these starts are surely a self-parody at this point because it is incredible how often... Um, we start a game and just look completely not at the races. We just look um, reactive, um, a, little, a touch slow, um, a touch out of kilter with the other, other side, which being it was Carlton and not like it was we were playing the um, Melbourne or the Bulldogs game earlier in the year. Um, it was incredible. And I guess it's probably only just lucky, kind of like the Crows last week, that um, these teams that, that, that we have these slow starts against aren't, putting the pressure on like the Bulldogs did earlier in the year and West Coast and Brisbane have at times. Um, but uh, it's lucky that we're also dealing with having a pretty good defense that is having a decent decent go at it in, in repelling te- um, opposition attacks. And certainly um, Alir in the last couple of weeks has roared back into kind of that real hot form. He, he kind of started the season hot with all Australian contention talk. And, then he br- and I don't think he even tailed off to being bad it's just he tailed off to just maybe playing at a level that's more human maybe rather than the superhuman level he was playing at and, and everyone just started saying oh what's happened to Alirius like actually no he's still he hasn't played he hasn't I don't think he ever tailed off to being necessarily bad at any point he just wasn't quite the highlight reel the what had been for the earlier part of the season but then the last couple of weeks he's really gotten back into that again just complete domination um, of opposing back line just cutting the lines intercepting really well and just having an incredible impact down there, and and um, and then Bergman was another one that's really um, at one point in the game just used his his pace and ran across and cut off a cut off a kick, um, which looked like it should be a certain Carlton mark and, dis- and another disposal, but he just was able to use his pace and just the pressure and uh, and defensive pressure was good. Cleary coming back in looked a little shaky early, maybe just a few drop marks and. And bad reads, possibly, um, and maybe just a little touch shaky, but um, he grew into the game as well. And just in general, the def- defense, um, you know, Carlton had that little run of a few goals um, there in the second quarter, and it was starting, we just looked a little bit... But that was, that was more that we were just getting dominated through the mid. And I've said said this time and time again, that we just... Um, 
when those quick scores happen, it's often um, there's there's just breakdowns across beyond the defensive line that um, that that, uh, that that lead to that. And um, in general, when we, when our structures are right, our defense is just so hard to get through. And uh, as it proved, um, after Colton kicked their fifth and final goal of the game halfway through the second quarter, um, that defense is just a tough one, tough nut to crack. And um, we don't allow high percentage chances even from set shots. Set shots. Um, they probably had a couple. They could have got late. They should have got late on, but um, that didn't happen. But overall, um, it probably helps um, in those slow, some of those slow starts that we've had. That uh, our defense has been reasonable at not allowing just an onslaught of goals that have really helped put the, or would have really hindered in putting some real scoreboard pressure on. But as it as it stands, we did go down by almost. We we were almost twenty three points. How can you be almost twenty three points? You are twenty three points down. We were twenty three points down halfway through the second quarter and. Things were looking dicey, and um, I wasn't alone. But I certainly put the tweet out in the cow. Said this is just fucking embarrassing. Like, what are we doing? Like, second second week in a row that we were down um, by a plus three goal margin um, against a team that, and, and and it wasn't just early. It was in the second. It was like it was. We shouldn't be down by this. You know, we should. I think I said something about it. we should have learned. We we didn't learn fucking nothing last week, did we? Like, what was going on? Where where was? what was happening. But in hindsight, maybe we just look and say Richmond threw everything, um, including all of their kitchen sinks at us. Um, Richmond, what the fuck? Carlton threw everything but their kitchen sinks at us it, up until that point of halfway through the second quarter. Maybe that's just it. Maybe that's what we're going to look at. But then we do have to look and see why why these starts happening and why... Because um, luckily we got our roll on and, and it ended up being one of our biggest wins um, for years. But... Um, how we got down by 23 points at that point, it just seems almost like a dreams, a dream scenario uh, or a nightmare scenario now. Like something you dreamed that happened and you, uh, but almost feels like it really happened, but you're not sure if it really happened because it just feels so disjointed with reality at the same time after what ended up happening. But um, it's an unusual place to be in. I know we weren't alone and uh, there was a lot of talk. <laughs> there was a lot of talk on the socials about just what the fuck was happening. Like what is going on? We looked at C again. We were getting beaten in the midfield. Um, getting beaten for clearances and it's just tougher. We were just um, being beaten around the ball and um, by a tougher team at that at that moment. Um, and like I said, maybe it was just Carlton throwing everything at it at that time, and then they just couldn't keep they sustain that. And that's what good teams do is they absorb the pressure and take the hits as we did, and then and punch back a hundred times as hard, which you know we ended up doing. So all ends at the ends. All ends at the ends. Well, I guess I don't know, um, but uh, it's. It is still something we have to look at, but at the, at the on the same on the same note that we we look at St Kilda did a similar thing to Geelong, like we thought St Kilda had a comfortable lead lead on Geelong at one point, and Geelong ended up coming home and winning, um, in, albeit in a closer game still. But um, it's a bit, it's been a trend we've seen around the AFL, I, I guess, a bit this year with um, teams punching above their weight, like teams like Carlton, like the Hawth- like Hawthorne getting the win on the Western Bulldogs. Um, a few teams, bad teams, have gotten wins and had good... Per- either they've had wins or had good performances against the teams that probably are expected to beat them a lot more comfortably. So we're not alone in that, and that's that's maybe something we've also got to realise is that while we are obviously hard on our team because they're our team, we notice the things that they do wrong more than we do notice other teams doing the same things wrong because we're going to be hard on our team and be notice our team more than any other team. But um, as we've seen around the league this year, there's been upsets 
plenty and um, it's just something that happens. You know, GWS have had some big wins in the last couple of weeks and that's a team that we had a close game with a couple of weeks ago but also dealt seemed to deal with it reasonably comfortably and played some good, pretty good footy team against them. So it's something that we've um, got to accept is that this, it's kind of the modern AFL really. It's just there's a lot more chance of... It seems like there's a lot more chance of upsets than ever sometimes but... Uh, what is impressive um, after going down by 23 points is how we responded. We, And whether it was just coming and we just had to get a... Um, I don't know what exactly clicked it into gear because they kicked that fit, that goal, to get them 23 points up. And then it was not long after that. We started our run of six rattle, rattling on six goals to none to finish out that quarter and some would get us up by a decently comfortable, I think, 15 points or something like that at halftime. Um, after being down 23 points, it's actually a pretty good result. Um, and then kick away in the third quarter and get up by 41 points and then have that amazing last quarter with nine goals um, to, to finish on a 19-goal un, unbeat, uh, 19 goal in a row run unanswered um, to the very end, uh, which has got to be some kind of record, um, particularly for last like just going on a run where they don't even score on us in the last half of the game. Um, just amazing stuff. But um, And that's... You know what I'm talking about. We've got a. We look at the bad in the in the, the in the start and the fact that we went down by 23 points. We've got to look at the good as well, and that was amazing. That was um like I said, that's what I've been asking for all year is just a sustained run of pressure and and scoring on an opposition team to be able to build some percentage and just and just get some things going because that team that's probably something that we haven't been able to do quite this year yet, and we've um timed it just for the right right end of the year, I guess. So you'd rather do it now than um, in round one if, if you had to choose. So it's an incredible run to to get together and um, it shows kind of all the things that we've been missing this year with the injuries and all that. Like you got the class of Butters, um, the class of Rosie, Dersmer's just toughness and class as well. Um, and, you know, just... And then all the old guard that have been there all through the year. You know, Ollie Wines again was great. Um, Travis Spoke is just um, a machine that just keeps on going like the Terminator. Um, and then just the, the forward line. Um, the big one I have to I have to mention is um, Marshall coming back in. Uh, I think was I think we noticed how much he was missing against the Crows last week. And um, he was really he was the one that really stood up in the in the moments uh, when the game was really when we weren't going so well, and he kicked the first goal of the game, and he kicked once a little later on in that in that period where we were um, down, and um, and just just what he does for the forward structure, I think just he does a lot that goes unnoticed, and I think it's starting to get a little bit more noticed. And there was I think Rosie was in, interviewed after the match, and actually I've I did find it earlier, and I'll play it, um, and he kind of just mentions kind of what. Um, Kind of how appreciative the players are of his impact down there, and I think it's I think it's an important thing to kind of note. Todd Marshall came back in, kicked two of the craziest goals you'll see this season. How important is he to that forward line structure? Extremely important. He's probably one of the most important um, people down there. People probably don't realise as much when you're um, just watching it on TV or see snippets during that, during the game. But um, yeah, he's massive for us. He's a very um, team first player and allows other people um, to be the best version of themselves as well. So it's um, really pleasing to see him get on the end of a couple. I think that's really important to kind of note is um, kind of how the players see guys like Todd Marshall because we do have, and, and fans' fans' opinions are are a, a, as imp- or not as important than uh, 
than probably the players, but the, the, the fans' opinions are valid as well in, in the sense of how we see the game. Because often, you know, we are, but there is a lot of things that probably the guy likes, likes of Marshall and stuff like that are doing down there that we just don't notice quite as much from our vantage point. And it is important to listen to the players and how they see it because they just they just notice the little things they do. They they create space. They, they, they're important to the structure. And, and Marshall's work rate, I think, is a lot better than what a lot of people give him credit for. And I've said before, he has sometimes has a, a style, like just the way he moves. Sometimes he, he can be moving really quickly but looks slower than he is. In a, it's, a weird, it's probably a trick of the eyes thing or it might just be me too. So... Um, if it is just me, then I apologise. But he just has a st- just a a way that he carries himself that sometimes, even though he's he's gut running and really playing really hard, it sometimes just doesn't look like he is. Um, and that's like a, a a a lanky tall person kind of problem as well. Is you just don't never look as classy <laughs> when you're moving. And I say that as someone uh, at six one, um, you don't look as classy when you're moving as someone like you know the the reason that likes a Messi and Suarez and players like that and um. In the round ball game of football, your Salas and all that, they're, they're, because their centre of gravity is close to the ground, they can move, they look a lot smoother when they're moving. Tall people just don't look as smooth when you're moving. Um, that's why even in basketball where everyone, you know, you think everyone's tall, but the real tall players just still look a little bit more ungainly. And that's like probably something that Marshall has, particularly because he's still on the slider side as a, just an overall body build. Um, he just doesn't look as classy as, as it likes a Rosie. And this doesn't mean knocking Marshall, it's just that... It, but, then you have Marshall do what he does on the weekend and, and quick that, that first goal where he just has the presence of mind to get the boot onto it. The second one, which has been nominated for the goal of the year, that snap. He he had small forward type movements. It just still doesn't look as, you know, just, you know, aesthetically. Um, although almost, um, it's almost more pleasing on the eye and more surprising as it is a guy like Marshall doing that tumbling, that snap through that he did for that second goal of his. Um, so... You've just got a lot of guys like, and and what's really pleasing is it's a lot of the young guys that are really starting to step up. Um, I mentioned Drew already. Um, he's he. What I'm loving about Drew's game is he he kind of came in trying. You could see he was he was given a role at the start of the year, and he was playing that role really well. But you, you can now see that he's starting. He's building the confidence in his game, and he's playing his role, which. Um, but as well as that, he's he's starting to venture out more and really just kind of. Stamp his stamp his impression on the game. Like uh, opposite, I think opposition fans are going to be noticing more. Um, commentators are noticing more because he's really starting to play with a little bit of flair, and you can see he's gotten comfortable with his role on the side. Like he's not he's not looking over his shoulder anymore, thinking his spots under under siege. He he knows his worth and his value and his place in the side is there because he's he's playing the role. He's playing it really well. And um, you can just start to see that confidence in the last, the last half of the year in particular. He's, he's really just growing and playing better and, and doing more than he already and He was already playing the role we wanted to, him to, and now he's playing that role and he's just he's adding a little bit of flair and a little bit more intuition to his game. Using his intuition, not that he had didn't have the intuition, but he's actually a lot more confident in his ability to use that within the game. And he's becoming one of our best midfielders and, it, and is such a great... Um, fine to have again with this, this youth policy that Ken Hinckley has for all the detracting detractors he has, and I've certainly had my criticisms at Hinckley, and I continue will continue to when I need to. Um, his ability to blood youngsters and blood them to build confidence incredibly quickly. I've already mentioned Bergman, the, but the ability to get Drew um, playing at this level and really humming coming into finals is such another boost as well. You know, likes of Drew and Bergman, and names we probably didn't really. 
at the start of the year. And I know Drew's someone that we've all known. Drew and Bergman both are highly touted. But them becoming integral parts of our side this year is probably something um, that I'm, you know, going in as the undroppables. While we've got the likes of Hartlett sitting there injured, Lockie Jones injured, um, and those are the guys we probably expected to be in the side at this point of the year more than those two, if you had to name some. So that's an incredible place to be, and that's a credit to Hinkley and what he does and what the coaching staff do in general in blooding the uh, blooding these youngsters and get the, getting them in and building their confidence and just the just what they're doing. I don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes exactly, but it's a, it's a good culture to be creating. And, and you know, Rosie and Butters and Dersma, those guys are almost the veterans now with going to a third year, this being um, their third year, and they've been on the on the ends of our tongues for so long now, as um, it feels like. But they're, they're still incredibly young. But, um, you know, Drew and Bergman are just the latest. I know Drew's been around for a few years. It's just the injuries last year and all that. But, um, yeah, we're just um, incredibly lucky and, and, and it's just... The player that the my player of the day that I'll play later in the YouTube video that is the Port Adelaide one as well as it usually is. Um, there's a lot of the youth involved in that goal and it's really it's really good to see. So um, I'll get to that later. But um, I really ran and went off on a tangent. But really, it's that's the kind of that's I was talking about the, the result and um, the kind of groove we got into as we as we, as we started building that lead. It was just um, a lot of our. Just everyone coming together, and it was finally the 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 sum of our parts. And everyone that's been injured for so long, um, and all our injuries that have come back, getting closer to full strength. Um, Robbie, you know, and we've been talking about the youth, but then it's our veterans as well. You know, Boke's been um, tirelessly working all year again, but um, you know, Robbie Gray's come back in last week. Um, this week you could just see, and being at the game this week, you could just see Robbie just um, filled into the game and a little bit of class here and there again. Some of those little magical Robbie moments that don't get quite caught sometimes in the highlight reels, but just um, his movement and his and his off the ball movement as well. Robbie's always been great with that and how he how he reads the play and reads the game. Um, it's probably something that I've found a benefit of getting to more and more games in the last few years um, than I used to be able to, um, just due to the fact that I <coughs> that I've got the ability to now. Um, you know, you get more appreciation for Robbie's game in person there. Um, and you, certainly if you watch on TV and just kind of try to keep an eye on the peripherals, but it is something you see at the ground a bit more sometimes. Is That's why I'm trying to relay it back to those that aren't lucky enough to get there. It's just his off-the-ball movement is so good. And, and that's what a lot of our players and a lot of the stars are do well, and that's what separates them from the rest is that kind of stuff. But Robbie's a real um, real artist in that in that fashion of how he reads the field and how he reads the play, how he sees the entire football game and what, what Robbie, how Robbie sees the game and how he's able to manifest that into his own play is something that would be great to study his brain for because um, if you could just get um, infused Robbie's kind of football brain into everyone, um, it would make the, um, well, just the port players, no no one else, but um, he's he's an incredible football player. And then, you know, Fantasia was really, um, really starting to find his feet again, um, which is, you know, it's just incredible to think that we actually got through all those games without the likes of Robbie and Fantasia and, and Butters and Dersma, um you know, it's a credit to where our team is at this year. And it was early in, you know, at the start of the year, they talked about the squad first mentality, but then also kind of that dual role mentality where all players were trying to learn another role on the field a little bit more to be able to play a little, a little bit more. Sorry, excuse me, that's a beer coming up. Um, and was, we've seen the benefit of that through the year um, in those tougher times when we were missing players to injury and having to grind games out a little bit more. But then... Now we're seeing with the, with all these players coming back how comfortable they are in their roles as well as the fact that they've probably had to play other roles at times. 
it's just a lot more fluidity to our, our, our pace and our ball movement and all those things. And that is an incredible um, thing to have in our locker going into the going into the um, the finals and going into a big game against the Western Bulldogs this weekend, which um, I'll talk about in the preview more um, later in the week. But um, yeah, you can just see all the benefits of the year that it's been. Um, how tough it's been at times. The 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 injuries and all those things that have happened throughout the year. You could see the benefits of the toughness of the year come through in this ninety five point win against against Carlton and and just. There's been so many tough times this year as far as um, how our team has been, you know, the the questions that have been asked of them um, with the losses against um, fellow fellow rivals as well as some of the um, inconsistent performances against the lower teams, whether it be one-point wins against Collingwood or the showdown win just last week. You know, there's been questions asked even of our wins and the flat track bully stuff and all that. But um, you can just see that there's um, they're sticking fat to what they believe and the, and the team has a, a belief in their structures and their, and their plans and their... And their grand grandmaster scheme for going forward into these these finals, and you can certainly see a lot of that confidence come out in this this win, which is which is just fucking wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'll take a quick break again, and then get back into a little bit more of it. Alrighty, so before we get into a little bit more about the week that it was uh, personally and stuff after that, we'll finish off the review here real quick. But um, get into a few more quick stats and uh, a few other things to wrap up the review. Um, first of all, really good to see. Um, you know, Wines and Boak, both on 31 disposals. Carl Amon was on 30 disposals. Uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones had 27, which uh, on Darcy in particular, probably the first game we've really seen the Darcy that um, close to where he was um, in his All-Australian form and best and fairest winning form last year. It has been something that's been floating around for a while. People just um, a little bit um, dubious as to where Darcy's place is at the moment. And not that I've, I, I think with a player of that stature, um, some people will say, you know, these players get some pet status because of what they've done. But I think that that is actually something you do earn is that you do earn a little bit more of a reprieve to try and find your form as long as it's not like completely detrimental to the team. We're, we've been winning. We've got ourselves into a position to fon- possibly finish top this week um, or top two or at the very least we're top four. Darcy Byrne Jones hasn't been horrible. I think he's just he he has he has had some brain farts over the last few weeks and not, not brain farts, just this, his disposal efficiency just hasn't been there and um, but he, he, I think um, through this game he found some form and he, and he was really um, quite scintillating at times this week with his um, his movement and uh, and his ability to um, um, rebound off of halfback and, and and create some attacks and there was a fair bit a fair bit of influence in that second half in building that massive lead. Um, so he had a really good game and like I said, Amon on thirty disposal and Boak and Wines on thirty one apiece. Um, they're just they're really getting the getting their hands on the ball and um, and then yeah, Butters had twenty five disposals, Houston twenty four, Rosie twenty three, Robbie Gray had nineteen. He kind of had a run a little bit in the middle and as well as around forward and then then you got you guys like Ryan Burton, Riley Bonner are having good good game and Bonner's quietly <laughs> haven't seen a, haven't seen almost anyone question Bonner's place in the side for a few weeks, which is always a good sign because he as soon as he does something wrong, um, there's going to be Fifty people just slamming him straight away. Um, the tweets will be sent very quickly. And look, he's he, you know, he, he's <laughs> he's one of those players that when he burns the ball, he just burns it in such spectacular fashion that sometimes that's just what he's going to get. But um, at, at, with every bit of um, shit that he's gotten, he deserves to be get the praise, and he probably just hasn't been as much praise coming back to him. But um, there has been a fair bit, fair, fair, fair few people have actually just said, "Hey, look, Bonner's been good," which is good, and he has been. He's been a quietly just become a part of the side in the last few weeks, and a side 
that is getting into this form, it's going to help cement his spot for a finals charge, and that's a great, great thing. So I'm really happy for, really happy for Riley. And then, um, you know, just it was just a good spread. And then, like I so said, disposals, um, a really good spread in that sense. But then the goal kickers, twelve different goal kickers, and and had four tools um, being, um, I don't know, we we, we always call include Laddams in the tools. We should probably include Lysett as well, which he got a goal, but um. In the tools, in the, as far as the tools that are in the discussions, um, it's it's Laddams, Dixon, Georgiades, and Marshall. As far as the, the structure, of who do we drop, who who do we keep, and all that stuff. Those are the four that are talked about. Um, you know, nine goals between them, with Dixon getting four. He's, he's quietly just on forty six goals for the season. Which, apart from Mackay, Harry Mackay from Carlton, who didn't play, um, out on fifty eight. I think the next next best is uh, Tom Hawkins on fifty. So you know. And Hawkins and Dixon have played the same amount of games, so um, they've got they're only four goals apart. Um, Jack Revolt's got a couple of a couple of goals in front of Dixon. He's played the same amount of games. So, considering the, the those stature of those names and how how many people will just not will just bend over backwards to um, give them as much plaudits as possible, while at the same time calling Dixon a Dixon hack, um, he's not doing doing too bad out Charlie. So we'll we'll take him. We'll be happy with him and and happy as he keeps kicking bags of goals as he's as he's done them a lot more recently um, since the turn of the halfway point of the season. And yeah, Georgiades and uh, Marshall popping up with a couple as well. Georgiades again. Um, his first goal I think was um, from the kind of the historic scoreboard pocket. Um, had a real good beat on it because we were kind of sitting in that bay 139. We're actually only 20 metres away from our usual seats um, with the 15,000 reduced capacity and having to get online and getting them. We were very close to our usual seats. So, And just watching his run-up and his and his just all his mechanics of how he got kicks for goal, it's just so pure. And um, he has that little skip in his step as he goes up, but it works. And um, beyond that, it's just very basic. And, you know, he's just he's just such a got a good traditional kick. And I'm just so happy with how reliable he is with his kick. Knock on wood that that doesn't go away or anything, but he just seems he does occasionally shank one slightly, but he he doesn't seem to have a bad shank in him, which is always good because it means you're always always a good chance of a goal. And that was a pretty tight angle, and he still just goes straight through the straight through drop punt straight through the middle, and just um his fundamentals are great, and just for such a young player, he's he's going well. And yeah, Marshall kicked a couple of spectacular ones for um considering he's usually you know you're tall marking forward and going for the set shots. It was a couple of opportunistic um, quick goals and um, yeah Laddam's got one and as well as a spread of goal kickers uh, between our midfielders and Fantasia and Gray popping up with a couple each and um, Boke Boke was probably the worst as far as burning the ball he kicked one goal three and probably should have had a couple more with uh, some decent opportunities but um, he did plenty around the field we're not going to certainly not going to hold that against him um, so yeah just uh, just a nice statistical spread of disposals goals and everything else in between um, with our team on the weekend. So, incredible stuff. It was a 118-point turnaround from when we were 23 points down to the finish of the game at 95 points up. I'm sure those um, the troglodytes over at that uh, Crowject podcast or whatever the Crows one is would have just absolutely been salivating at the chance. Uh, thoughts of a 119-point turnaround with um, how they, they build 50% of their personality off of um, port history rather than their own. But, um, yeah, um, sad for them they couldn't get that um, that um, extra tweet into their account um, talking about us more than they talk about their own team. So, um, sorry, guys. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, um, just in a great great game all around. Um, goals are plenty. Disposals are plenty. Um, uh, wins are plenty. 95-point uh, win. And got the job done over an, a hapless Colton side. And, and it was sad for Mark Murphy going out on that kind of note. Um, he's been a, he's you know he's been around Colton, you know, one club player all that time. Um, through it. 
what has been largely shit times and um yeah just sad for him but uh, <laughs> well I'm not gonna I'm, unfortunately we're in a position where we need to win games and need to win them by as as well as possible so sad for him didn't did enjoy the uh, had some good banter around us with the so the Port fans um had those good Port fans around us that they never go over the line they just um have good banter and um. At one point, Mark Murphy's near us, and and he, um, this poor Phoenix was just yelled, "Mark!" I thought, "Oh, what's what's going to come out? You don't deserve this. You're so much better than this. I'm so sorry." And I was just, uh, I was like, "Fair enough." <laughs> um, he also yelled at the boundary umpire at one point, and then gave him a big thumbs up and said, "You're doing a great job." Um, and the boundary umpire looked kind of shocked for a second, then gave him a smile and a thumbs up, uh, kind of a laugh and a thumbs up back, which because he was probably just uh, expecting the abuse that usually would probably be held his way. So. Just good natured banter, which probably goes with the, you know, goes with that saying. When you're winning a game that comfortably, um, everyone's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more jovial, which um, we'd all like to be every game. So let's let's just go with that for the rest of the season, shall we? Let's just win all the way through to a flag um, by 95 points average. That would be lovely. Um, so yeah, we'll get into a little bit more of just um, extracurriculars in a moment, but a great win. Um, oh yes, my player of the day. We'll talk about that. We'll get we'll get that going. Talk about that and then get into the extracurriculars after so play of the day um so this is the goal the rosy little um kind of nicely rolled in snap which is just all class um but it, I, I really enjoyed just the just the passage of play that led up to it kind of from where it starts out at the 50 arc so we'll play it here and listen to it and then uh, talk about it just for a just for a minute so he's playing for that perfect play every time you've got to play to the odds Boke, fling it around, under siege with Butters, but somehow got it out to Boke. Giorgiati's flung forward, Drew, what a pick-up, and Rosie knows the perfect finish when he sees one. He's gone here, this is this is locked up, this ball, and he finds a way to second effort, get that out to Boke, who has a, a chance, a 10% chance there at the pass, and look at the finish from Rosie. But we know that they use class, Hutto. We just need some match fitness into these guys. Those two there, they're the reason. Spot on. It's all about those forward half. Danger players, Rosie Butters, especially Fantasia's come back in there. They love to see Robbie Gray start to yeah. pop up in this. No, I mean, just as we fade that out, I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, John O'Brown was having a good, good chat about all the players. Um, that we're excited to be getting back, but it was, there was no talk. Like the one, of the probably the most impressive thing, and I, I go look up the play of the day, round twenty-two on the Port Adelaide Facebook, uh, Facebook, YouTube, probably on their Facebook as well. Um, Willem Drew's pickup. So basically, you know, to explain how that went um, with the odd air, you've got um, Travis Boat kind of get the ball around the fifty arc. He he's half tackled, gets a handball off to Butters, who's immediately just tackled to the ground, but somehow Butters. And it's something I've talked about before is Butters has incredibly quick hands and um, let him get two hands loose when he's got a teammate nearby. He'll get a handball off real quick and you won't know it's fucking gone. Faster than a speeding bullet is Butters with his hands and, and his ball to feed as well. He's just incredible in that sense. Can move, um, make decisions really quickly and ex- execute them beautifully. Um, he gets the handball off back to Boke who um, kick, kicks one into inboard to Georgiades kind of on the lead. Georgiades is... Um, being contested on that lead. And probably Boke just slightly undercooks the kick a little bit. So Giorgiades probably never has a chance of getting it on the chest or marking it really. But um, it kind of spills. Giorgiades gets a hand on it, but they're contested. And it spills in front of him. And Willem Drew, and this is the most impressive part of Beyond Rosie's finish is quite exquisite. But 
Willem Drew's just running through, not even at full speed, just at a reasonable pace, and just one hand scoops it up, and it just almost like it just just glides into his hand, just like kind of like in the Mighty Ducks when they're just cradling, like when he's te- Bombay's teaching him how to cradle cradle the egg, like, you know, accept the pass, and it's just cradle, cradle the egg backwards so it doesn't break. It's kind of like th- that gentle touch to pick it up and just scoop it up gently in one beautiful one motion, then handball it off quickly to Rosie, who um, bundles one through from a decent angle. Um, and a, a nicely, and it, it's, it's a well-executed finish and one that you clearly, um, for a, for someone who doesn't understand sport watching for a girl, it's just luck, but that's actually, that's understanding how to drop the ball drop and understanding how it's going to roll through from that angle um, into the goals. Now, it can mess up it very easily, but that it's a class of these players is, that they know the they know the percentages of if they do the right thing, it's more often than not gonna gonna work, and it did, and it was an incredible finish and just an incredible. But it was an incredible passage of play in the sense that um, we were only up, I think we we're only up by I would want to say we were up by about sixteen points at this point. So it's just when we're starting to get a little roll on at the start of the third quarter, um, but it's just um, just the the class from the likes of Boak was involved, Butters was involved. Rosie was out beyond the 50, um, kind of around where the Buzz and Boak situation was happening, and he just follows up on the on the outside. As it comes into Georgiades, again, he's involved, another young one. Drew, young one, involved. On to Rosie, another young one, goal. So it was just, you had Boak right in the middle there, but then the rest of it was just all that youthful experience, with Sean, that youthful energy, but also incredible um, hand skills, foot skills, everything involved there, and um, an incredible goal to finish it off. And, and on we went, uh, 22 points, uh, Pretty uh, quickly became 95 points by the end of the game. So, incredible, incredible goal that kind of sums up to just kind of the energy and the excitement that um, our team has got at this point with um, uh, what we've got going on and what the kind of um, momentum we've built going into this uh, last week of the season and then on to finals. Um, there's no pre-finals buy. I think that's pretty locked in now. So, this momentum is going to be all the more important with that in mind that we're going to play the Bulldogs this week and then go straight into playing finals. So. It's we're peaking at the right time. That is incredible. That was an incredible win, ninety-five points. Like I said, um, one of the best wins we've had for a long time. Um, and I think with getting to sixteen wins on the season, it might be actually our best uh, record so far. Uh, our best um, uh, wins in a season since that uh, two thousand and four season as well. So not trying to knock on wood, not trying to um, jinx ourselves or anything like that, but that's just the record it is. Um, I think in 2007, we were 15 and seven, um, finishing second. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously in, uh, 2014, probably another best year as far as beyond last year, uh, we were, um, finished, um, 14, 13 or 14 wins, I think at that point. Um, and then, uh, and that was outside of the top four. And then even last year, obviously, uh, winning percentage, pretty good. 14 and three last year, but obviously the less less games meant that we didn't play as many games and had an opportunity to win as many games. So, as far as a normal 22 game season, um, 16 wins is our best return since 2004, from my understanding uh, and memory and reading of the all the stats. I'm pretty sure of that. So yeah, an incredible, incredible year continues and um, certainly can continue this week with uh, Western Bulldogs. But we'll talk about that later in the week. So. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit of the extracurriculars of what's been going on. I will answer. I've got a um, couple of listener questions, which I'm incredibly excited to get to because um, they're just a good good range of questions. So I'll get to that in a moment and then get on to uh, kind of how the rest of the couple of days leading into the board game went. All righty. So I put out, put out the call on Twitter earlier today that I was going to be doing this review podcast tonight and, uh, and uh, throw any questions you had below. Um, and I did get one from our, um, our resident, uh, 
resident Port fan over in um, in Chicago, I believe. I assume he's in Chicago because he's um, Bear Down Report. Give that a shout out because um, even though I'm not a Bears fan, I do enjoy a lot of the just content. He's just kind of a sports fan and um, have had some good memories of going to Chicago. So Ryan Dengel, um, hopefully I pronounced that last name right. Um, you can correct me if you feel <laughs> if I did get it did mess it up. Threw in a couple of questions for us, which are wide ranging questions. Um, some hard hitting ones, <laughs> and uh, and um, well, one of them is not hard hitting. I'll start. I'll start from the bottom first. First of all, how awesome are the American Port supporters? Fucking awesome is the is the um, is the answer there. Um, you're a legend as well as a Port fan, Ryan. Um, love your work and and, and incredible that um, I know you've got a young kid over there, and I'm sure that's assisting in some all hours of the night Port watching. But it is hard um, being an overseas supporter of a town. I've um, Followed English Premier League um, for a long uh, for over twenty years now, and so in Australia that ranges anywhere from um, at the moment we get some nice nine pm times, but then when daylight savings hit, it's it's anywhere from ten pm through to about five am in the morning, and you're getting up at and a lot of those mid afternoon games in England, just the the rant standard English English Premier League games, are one thirty two o'clock in the morning, and it's um it's fucking rough, and it's rougher the older you get too. I used to I used to just didn't fucking matter what time I was getting up. Um, I just because you know you're young and just fucking you run off two or three hours sleep if you need to and you're fine, but getting into the plus thirties, um, it's a lot harder to do and um and so for you as a an American Port fan, um, it is an incredible thing for a fan from uh, the other side of the world to put that commitment into, um, you know even understanding understanding the sport, which um it's you know cause I've gotten to know baseball and basketball and the NFL. Over the years, but when I first started, I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" And it just—it actually takes some. <laughs> it takes a level of in. Um, I wish I'd put this much, um, uh, you know, dedication into probably my high schooling or something like that. I end up going to college and everything anyway. But, um, fuck, the amount of dedication you put into understanding sports from the other side of the world is incredible, and um, and it, it is it is great, and that's what the it's great about Port Adelaide as a club, I think, and I th- I'm sure you've seen it. Is it's so inclusive and. Um, exists in a different sphere than a lot of other clubs do in the in the, in their inclusivity um despite their success um and incredible success as the is as the most successful Australian football club um still exists in this realm of being the underdogs and I think that brings a unique fan in and um and you're certainly a part of that is that it's um you have to be dedicated and loyal and 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 but good people most of all is what um I think this this club brings in and and American and certainly the American Port fans are a big part of that, especially with the dedication you show by getting up all hours of the day and and nights and um and getting around the getting around the boys. So, um, one of my best friends, um, a groomsman, um, he literally just texted me. Um, <laughs> my man Vince, um, possibly got a hangover, I think, because he was at the Portland Timbers game last night and that did not go well. Um, so sorry, Vince, if you're listening to this and I'm bringing that up again, <laughs> but um. Yeah, he's um he's a he's a great fella and uh, one of my best friends and he's one one of my groomsmen in my wedding over in Portland there and he's a he's a he signed up as an international member for Port this year as well and um uh, he's he's been over for a Port game a few years ago coincidentally against Carlton was his first and only Port game so far at the start of twenty nineteen season there um, he finally came over and was able to visit us over here and um, came to a Port game and um, he he absolutely got around it um, and so yeah the there's a good little good little core of Port fans over there, and they've got another listener from um, in the New York area. Um, shout out to Wendell um, on Twitter. Um, he, you know, there's a, there's a good base of supporter support supportive <laughs> Port fans over there, and that's what we want to be a part of here with the Creed too. Is like um, and the Creed cast 
is kind of just helping, you know, flourish that culture of um, positive fan culture. We did, we're just fans doing a podcast and making some little trinkets and stuff like that. And we want to share that with everyone around the world. I'm certainly someone who believes in, um, you know, Port Adelaide is a club based in Adelaide and in, in the Port area, but um, it's a club that wants to include and, you know, wants to go worldwide and wants to include everyone and, and, and create a worldwide supporter culture that, um, we can chat freely with our friends from overseas, and 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 then certainly the you know American Port fans are fucking awesome. So I've got a long-winded answer there to basically say we fucking love yous, and are so proud to have you as part of our Port fan culture, and it's and it's fucking dope. So what was the next question? Um, I was really that was the easiest one because fuck. Then you go, what are Port's realistic chances in the finals? Oh Jesus Christ! Oh <laughs> no, I'm actually pretty I'm actually pretty confident, but um. It is also something I want to answer as truthfully as possible. And there is there is always going to be questions, especially with Ken Hinckley in his ninth year as coach, um, having had a couple of almost theirs but not quite there and um, and some pretty average seasons when we were expect our expectations are a lot higher. There are questions and the realistic chances are that um, we've given ourselves the best possible shot. And I think actually that, you know, the win last week, well, it's funny how things can change in a week. You know, if you'd asked me after the Crows game, I'd be like, well, fuck, we, we could barely beat them. But then, you know, the week the Crows had had and, and the fact it's a showdown, form goes out the window and all that stuff. So, um, to a certain extent. So, but my thoughts with finals are, I'm a, I'm a um, and I'll talk about the workshop I was at later on, later on in the podcast, but um, it was catastrophic thinking was uh, brought up in that workshop. I can be a catastrophic thinker at times and try to, work out every worst scenario possible just as I'm prepared for it. Um, so I'm doing that all, all, all year this year about where we're going and having to reevaluate every week where I re- realistically think Port are. And at the moment, um, when I look at the other teams, you know, and it's not that I wish injury, injury on any team because we've certainly had our injuries at the wrong times of the years at times as well. Um, but I look at just, and this is just purely from a fact, fact-based point is, Western Bulldogs have um, got probably got the best season so far out of Josh Bruce, and he's been an, an integral part of their climb to the top. They've lost him for the rest of the year. You've got Geelong losing Tom Stewart, who's a rock in their defense, and um, and is a pain in the ass. Um, and then Melbourne and just a bit hit and miss at times. And um, I certainly I certainly fear all, all three of those clubs, but I just with the injury with the luck we're having, knock on wood, with um, getting players back rather than losing them. Most Scott Lysett, um it's a worry seeing him and then Charlie Dixon can be hobbling hobbling one minute and flying the next, so who knows? Um I'm just quietly confident we're just we're just building at the right time and that's that's something that goes for every sport that uses a playoff system. Um obviously Premier League is about your season, so it doesn't matter, but when it comes to, you know, whether it be basketball, NFL, um any sport that uses uh finals and playoffs, you've just got to find your way to a decent seed helps but then you've fuck you know western borders won it from seventh a few years ago and um certainly seen the la kings in in the nhl win it from eighth and um it can be done from those those positions but certainly what you want to do is build a season to get yourselves into a decent seating position which um in the afl you know finish top four and get a double chance and then anything can happen um that's what we've got to do and ken inkley's talked about that is we, we, football afl is about building a season building a season and getting to a point and giving yourself the best shot. And what we've done is that. So we've locked that top four spot away. So at worst, we're going to be playing away in our first week. At best, we're going to be playing a home qualifying final. And that went pretty well last year and has actually gone pretty well um, 
you know, the last couple of times we've been able to do it. So um, that is giving me confidence. So a few weeks ago, I was probably still a little bit hit and miss about where we'd finish in the t- if we'd finish top four because, you know, up until a few weeks ago, probably when Hipwood went down for Brisbane, it was like Brisbane were flying, Sydney were going pretty well. Um, it was it felt like a five or six team battle for the top four, and now with a week. With a week to go, it's we're, we're already we've already got it locked away, and actually, Bris- Western Bulldogs are the team that have um, potentially could miss out on top four, which has seemed inexplicable probably a few weeks ago. So, um, I do I do have a reasonable amount of confidence for the finals. Um, our chances are that we've given ourselves a good chance, and um, from that point on, I'm realistic to know that um, I don't think we've been the best team this year um, consistently, you know, but. Well, consistently, actually, we've probably been have been the most consistent team because we're the one team that's beaten up every team we should have, and just haven't won, <laughs> haven't quite got as many runs on the board against the good teams as other good teams have against each other. But then, you know, Western Bulldogs can say, "Oh, they've got a few top big scalps," and Melbourne can say they've got a few big scalps. But then, Melbourne have lost to Collingwood and Adelaide, and Western Bulldogs have lost to Hawthorne and um, who did that? I can't even remember who they lost to last week, but. Anyway, they've lost to teams that we didn't lose to this year. So, who, who can who can say where a team's at? I think what we've done, unfortunately, is probably looked at, looked undone against the best teams, and the best teams have brought the best against us. But then they've we've stuck to our structures and got enough wins done, to, uh, wins on the board to get ourselves in a good position. And then I look at the way the other teams are kind of just falling away a little bit um, and just showing us some holes in their sides. Whereas a lot of those teams didn't get to face us at our best, and that gives me poor. That gives me um, reason for confidence. I look at years gone by, where we've gotten wins in the pre- in the regular season against teams, and then beaten us in finals, and vice versa. And I think that's a good thing um, to have that in our back pocket that we go in. Um, this week's going to tell us a lot against the Western Bulldogs as to exactly where we are, because while they're missing a few key players, um, they're still they're still very good. Um, Bruce probably the big one they're missing. Um, this week will tell us a lot, but I still go into the regardless of what happens this week. I still go in feeling reasonably confident that um, we can shake a few things up, and that's the confidence that's grown over the last few weeks. And in particular, with just being having been around AFL that long, I just know that um, once it gets to finals, anything can happen. And going in fit is a big thing. If we kept on rail, uh, you know, had, and again, knock on wood, this week goes well with injuries against the Western Bulldogs. But if we go in reasonably fit, that gives me a lot of confidence. If we'd lost a few, if we were missing, you know, I'm not going to name names, then jinx them. But if we were missing the amount of players we were missing probably six weeks ago, I'd, I'd be a lot less confident. But going in with the strength we're at at the moment and everything, I think we're actually a reasonably good chance. And that's good for me because I'm a catastrophic thinker. So to actually have a little bit of confidence going in is um a good thing for me and, um yeah, a good thing for everyone else, I hope, as well. So... I hope that answers that question. Now, what was the other one? I've got to look it up again now because I keep, I keep talking for way too long. Um, uh, will SPP re- return to form? Sam Palpepper. All righty. Let's just have a sip of beer on this one. Yeah, all right. Got to get that alcohol flowing through the veins. I love Sam Palpepper. Um He's um it pops off my Facebook memories around um the start of the season every year that I <laughs> I tweeted back uh, I think in the preseason of 2017 um I'm buying all the stock in Sam Power Paper and I'm not selling it I'm not selling it um, <laughs> I was being dramatic with the the beer pause it was really just because I need I wanted to have a sip of beer um 
I <clears throat> my read on Sam Pal Pepper is um similar to Carl Amon um in the sense that he's 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 well Sam Pal Pepper even he he came on real strong he's he's started really well in um in his career and he, and he's and he's been pretty good throughout that those years since but he's a player that he he still hasn't quite found his role in the team yet as far as a consistent role um I mean, you even look at Travis Boak back a couple of years ago when we were trying to when he was getting faced out of midfield in it um, for some reason, played across that half forward, just couldn't quite find his rhythm in the side because he wasn't quite there to be the main ball winner. But he was he 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 couldn't he wasn't he wasn't exactly the player to play that role either. And I think Sam Palpeber gets um, when the game goes his way and he can get his hands around the ball and get a, get on the ball a little bit. He um, when it's going his way, he's able to have a pretty effective role. And I thought this year, um, the Fremantle game when he kicked a bunch of uh, two or three goals early and and really had a um a, got his hand on the ball a fair bit, fair bit. Um, he really showed. I thought he kind of gotten back into it at that point. Um, since then, he probably he's just he's just in in and out, and he's just not when he when the game's not going his way, or if he's having a if he's having to chase it a little bit more and he's just not getting his hand on the ball, he just can't find a way to make be be as effective. And you know that eight disposal um, effort last week just wasn't yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't good enough. And that's that's what it is. But um, I look at where Carl Amon was a couple of years ago, and I think Sam Powell is probably in that similar boat. That um, I hate to say it, but if there's trade talks come up, Powell Pepper's name might be one of those ones. I don't want to lose him. Don't want. I I think he's got a lot of upside still, and I I want to see him. Become the player that we I think we all know he can, but um, he's just got to he's got to find a way to make his impact. Uh, and whether it's um, some things he's got to do in training or just adjust a few atti- not attitude and negative thing, but just um, his reading of the game and things like that. Because um, Carl Aiman a couple of years ago was on trade table and we he was almost gone. I think from how I understand things. Just didn't quite the trades just didn't quite come forward and he stayed and he worked his way back in. Now he's an indispensable member of the side. So I think Powell Pepper's in that similar boat. He's had a good start to his career. He's um he's certainly got the skills and the flair and the, the ability to play at the highest level. He's just not quite got his neat uh, his spot in the side and his exact role. You know, he's not you know, Willem Drew's kind of Really got really taken a shine to that role in the midfield a little bit, and probably taken over a li- and and does a little bit of a few more things that Palpeper isn't doing. So I think that's um, kind of shaken out the midfield role a little bit as well, and he, he just quite hasn't quite found his role um, around all of that going on. So will he find form again? Yes, um, hope it's for us. Um, he certainly found it in the in the in the sandfall this weekend. I think he had thirty disposals. Um, so he, he, he can get – I think that's the problem is he's not quite the leading – he really needs to be right in amongst it um, to really get um, – to play his role. And it's just you've got the likes of Wines and, um, you know, you've just got guys ahead of him at the moment and, and, and he's not quite finding his role with those guys in the AFL side. But he, he can have an impact and I think he will. And I think he'll find his – whether – whether he finds his way back in this year, it'll, I guess is going to be entirely dependent on injuries and stuff like that. But um, I certainly think um, we have a lot of um, the coaches want to see him back in. They want it because they know Pal Pepper. Um, he's a barometer. He's 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 a player that's going to um, 
he can have, he could have potentially have a big impact in finals if he can find that form. I guess your question being, will he find it? For, I think it was, will he find form again? Um, will SPP return to form? Yes. Um, whether it's this year, I don't know. Um, that's the, that's the thing with um, the players we've got coming back because we've still got um, uh, yeah, I mean, Pal Pepper. Um, there's a uh, uh, Motlop's uh, Motlop's another one, and there's just we've got <laughs> we're such such full strength that they're getting really close to full strength again. It might actually be an interesting um, question as to whether he can find who drops out of a team playing this well. Um, because, you know, Bonner's, like I said, Bonner, guys like Bonner have made their spot indispensable. We've got um, McKenzie, to come, not that they're the same players, but there's just so many players looking for roles that it's um it's going to be situational. That Pal Pepper at the moment, unfortunately, is probably a little bit more of a situational player rather than just an indispensable member, obviously, with being dropped. So it's going to be an interesting one. Um, so I think even if we're looking going into the finals, um, sub-wise, I can't imagine anyone but Sam Mays being the sub at the moment because I didn't even mention it earlier in the Carlton Review portion of the podcast, but Sam Mays was amazing um, this weekend. <laughs> Again, he just... Um, Sam Mays, I've said it I said it weeks ago. How many times am I going to say it? I've said it before, I've said it before. I guess when you do a podcast almost twice a week, you're going to have said it before. Um, Mays, whether it be a Sydney game or a few other games this year, he's had an incredible ability to come off the bench and make an immediate impact where he's He's kicked a goal off the bench in three or four different games this year, I think, um, off the bench, but off the subs bench, and um, you know, and he's and he's made impacts at both ends of the field. He's just an incredible utility player, which comes being a hundred game AFL player already before he came into Port, like from his career up at Brisbane. But um, yeah, I just I just wonder. What, I think Palpebe just doesn't quite have a defined role in our side at the moment. That's to his detriment because there's guys that have just. Um, kind of gone part you know you got Carl Amon playing incredible footy like you know I know he's he's playing on the way but he's he's really get starting to get in amongst it and get the ball a lot more Carl Amon as well. And like I said, Willem Drew's probably got come on really well this year and I'm sure the coaching staff and, and coaches were hoping that for that from Drew, but we weren't guaranteed it until we saw what he did at a consistent level. And so Pau was just fallen below a little bit and um unfortunately there's only so many roles to be played in that side that he can do and he's just on the outer, just slightly on the outer at the moment. But I have faith. Like I said, I bought stock years ago and I'm not selling. Um, I'll never sell. I love Pal Pepper. I've got I've got about two or three different Pal Pepper badges and um, yeah, he, I just love the guy and I think um, he's an, he's got an incredible, incredible heart and incredible engine and he's just, he's just, he's <laughs> sometimes his own worst enemy, sometimes with um, how he, how he attacks the footy and uh, and uh, he's he's just a, he's just a he's just a ball. He's he's um, a slightly less refined. I guess you know Ollie Wines is a bit known as the Alberton ball, and um, Pal Pepper's got a bit of that about him as well. But he's just he's just he's a younger player. We've got to remember he was only drafted at the end of 2016. Um, I unpacked a pack of cards um, a few weeks back, um, a 2016 um, Future Force pack, which is like players before they're drafted. Um, footy cards and Pal Pepper was one of them and I was like 2016 I've only got married five years ago and that was in 2016 um, and Pal Pepper was still playing um, below you know um, you know wasn't drafted yet so he had an incredible start to career exploded onto the scene and he's just he's just finding his role in the team um, while he's still developing as a player he's still a young a young player relatively to um, you know the longevity of what potentially is still which will, will be a long career so 
Um, he's just got to find his role and um, hopefully um, run, whether he's back in the side this week, I'd, I'm not exactly sh- sure if I'd be confident of that, but um, certainly 30 disposals in a sandful this week. Um, a goal, 10 tackles and eight clearances is what I'm reading on the website. You know, that's that's a that's an incredible um, incredible performance. So he's, he's doing everything he can at that level and it's just it'll just be if the chance comes. Um, he's got to stay fit um, and positive and, and, and wait to see if the chance comes in the finals. We hope there's no injuries, but he's certainly a player that's going to play a role. It's just, I just think at the moment he's just not quite quite finding his role in the team with how, everyone, how well everyone else is going. So that's just what it is. But um, he'll find form, whether it's this year, I'm just not exactly sure. Um, as far as in the, he's certainly, <laughs> that sandful form speaks for itself, but um, I'm just not sure if it'll be, if he'll be the player that we know um, at a point this year in the finals, um, just unless, uh, you know, but who knows? I think he's got a good career ahead of him. I just, I still just, I just, I'm not confident of where his role sits in the side just at this current moment. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate, but it's also just where we are. And that's just the po- a positive thing about the side is that we are at that point. The Pal Peppers on the outer, um, being that we're a top four side, but it's just unfortunate because I do love the kids. So let's hope so. But um, I can't say I'm extremely confident of it at the moment alrighty so appreciate those questions from Ryan um, you're a legend and appreciate your support on the, the Twitter and chatting regularly and all that stuff so uh, keep it coming um, if I tweet out or even if you just after a game just say oh you for the review um, is a question I have tweeted out it's but I'm going to try and more regularly tweet out kind of you know, 12 to 24 hours before I do a review, um, just any questions or even before a preview. I don't know. I'll just put the shit, I'll put the call out there a little bit more regularly and try to do that and get, and if anyone wants to just ask something or say something or get something on the pod, uh, let me know. I'll happily talk about it because um, I need stuff to talk about. Apparently not though. I'm at like an hour and nine minutes already into this one. Fuck me. Um, so yeah, a little bit more to talk about. Nothing to do with the game anymore. Um, we won about 95 points. What's more to talk about apart from go fuck yeah, um, Tommy Jonas. Anyway, uh, yeah, before so last week, the reason I didn't get a preview out for uh, the Carlton game was beyond my own um, disorganized nature. Um, no, it's actually just you know I so Wednesday night I was busy. I've got we've got some new badges and stickers coming, um, and I was just busy doing the order for that because you order them and then proof them and then spend hours going back and forth when the design's not working quite right so it took me just probably six or seven hours of ordering and and finalizing a couple and doing some last minute changes to a couple of designs and um so that was my wednesday night gone and then thursday um so port fans locally um and even port Port twitter will know um jared walsh who's the game day mc for port and just an incredible fella he does he does he does emceeing for every Every sports club in Adelaide, apart from the Crows, um, and he says the Crows have come a couple of times before, but he he couldn't do it because he's a port man. Um, so that's um, an incredible thing. But um, he's on Twitter and um, tweets about Port as well as other other uh, other teams locally and um, and everything else he does. But um, he does a uh, speak good workshop, which is um, basically as his career working in radio as well as emceeing and all that, and, um, as well as just um, um, life experience, I guess. Uh, just understanding the art of communication. It's not just the ability to get up and talk in front of people, but actually knowing yourself and and knowing kind of, you know, communication is so much more than just getting up or, you know, sitting in front of a microphone as I am and talking, but actually having the confidence 
and the understanding of um, who you're talking to and what you're trying to say and being able to do it well. And I'm, I'm trying to get better at it and I hope people are enjoying the podcast because um, my other podcasting experience has always been with someone to bounce off of where there is at the moment I do this one um, on my own. And once I start getting people on it, I just haven't had the chance to yet and it's just been, it's been a project of mine to try and learn how to do this as well and, um, you know, talking without having someone to bounce off of and just being able to do it. So, um, you know, the Speak Good workshop, which is a two-week thing, um, so I went down Thursday night a couple of weeks ago and then Thursday night last week um, to, to a couple of three-hour sessions to do the workshop and, um, and it was really um, incredibly beneficial and, and um, you know, just a lot of... It's, it's funny with things like this, when you're 33, you know, you, the thing about when you're growing up, you you get to a certain age and think you know everything and then realise as you grow up more that you don't know anything. Um, and then you, you then you've got to relearn how to be humble and all those things. And this workshop was really beneficial in the sense that there were certain things that I went into expecting out of it, and there's certain things that I, I those things I got out of it. But then there was so much more about actually, just there's so many things that are, that were mentioned and talked about in the workshop that are just um, you kind of go oh f- well, fuck of course, but then you don't actually. It's it's interesting having someone like Jared Walsh who's um, beyond all of the professional experience he has is an incredible fella and. Um, just a just a great bloke that um, is able to, you know, for me, confidence in being able to look into myself and figure out your flaws and faults, um, but look at it in a positive thing that it's learning and we're all a work in progress, which is a theme of the workshop. Um, being able to do that is something that's hard for me growing up in, um, I guess, an um, environment, um, you know, country, rural Australia where it's... Um, you know, sticks and stones. Um, when someone says, you know, <laughs> sticks and stones, and and uh, and um, you know, boys don't cry, all that kind of you know attitude that you grow up with, that uh, machismo, and and it's real just toxic masculinity stuff. Um, growing up and then having to work and knowing that, that stuff is wrong, but still having that that automatic triggering in your brain that whenever you know you want to get real about things and talk about communication and stuff like that, you lock up because you're like, no, that's not what I was. That's not what I was brought up to do. So this these kind of works. This workshop was really beneficial for me, and um, kind of getting into it and actually just opening that kind of stuff up and saying, no, this is this is stuff that you 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 should be proud of and do stuff and and be passionate about things like this podcast and whatever you want to do um, in life, and uh, and be passionate about it and don't care if it's something that um, you do on the latest podcast, or something I do on the side as as an aside, like I do. You know, do the podcast and then do the other social things and then do the designs to do in the background for the things that are coming out merch-wise. And that's like 15 to 20 hours at least a week um, um, that I do alongside my 40 to 50-hour day job. And that is, even though, you know, some people might go, oh, why do you spend that time on that? It's not doing anything for you. It's like, no, it's your passion. That's what you should do. And communicating that and being proud of it and part of communication is being proud of what you're communicating. And that's a big benefit I got out of the workshop was being proud of what you do, um, regardless of what it is, and you know, you're not. It's not defined by what makes, how much money, or or if it makes any money, or it's defined by how it makes you feel. And um, it, if it is providing some worth to you, that's great, and that's all you need anyway. But then, if it's providing some worth to other people, and that's even that's and that provides worth back to you in the sense that you feel proud of it, and that's a great thing too. So. I appreciate like listener questions I get from Ryan and, and other people that respond to the podcast and things we do. Um, 
that's great, and I appreciate it, and um, and I'm going to spend more time trying to appreciate it more rather than going, oh, it's just this little thing I do because I I'm I do love it. I love Port Adelaide, the footy club, obviously, and this kind of avenue to being able to be a bit more a part of it and doing stuff like this is really great. So that workshop was um the last couple of weeks, and I'll post some photos about it on the on the um on the uh so on the Instagram and stuff and talk about it a bit on there as well. But that is why um so between Wednesday doing the Doing some work with the designs and all that fucking shit and spending far more, far more time on it than I thought I would. Um, and then Thursday I went down to the workshop and we stayed in stayed in Port Adelaide right afterwards. We were, um, yeah, a stone's throw away. We were right next to the Fisherman's Wharf Markets. There's a Quest Hotel down there in Port Adelaide and right in the Fisherman's Wharf, Mar- Wharf Markets and um, right there in the middle of Port Adelaide. So we stayed there Thursday night, um, had Friday off. Um, and all we did Friday was we didn't want to get in the car and do go anywhere. We wanted to walk around the port. I've spent a fair bit of time in the port and and my wife has at this point as well, even um, having moved over here five years ago. Um, we spent just the day walking around. Um, we've done the, a few of the museums before, but we all we did was just walk around, taking the sights. Um, went to one of the local cafes for breakfast, walked around a little bit more, went to the visitor centre, chatted to with a guy that was working there. His name was Ray. He was really great. Um informative and um just just chatting away when i saw a few of the art shows that are around um grab some lunch um did we grab lunch or i can't remember we grabbed and we went for we went and grabbed beers at pirate life then we went and grabbed an early dinner at um at uh, the port admiral hotel there which has um been incredibly well, well redone in the last few years um after being closed for a while but it's been there for 150 over 150 years there on the corner there in the main corner there in port adelaide and um had a few more beers and then went back to the hotel for a bit and freshened up and then went just to a, a local little um mixed creative spot where they've got some art shows on and they do some they just pour your glasses of wine and um they sometimes have live music there but on this night they just had some some blokes um spinning records um and just we drank a bunch of wine and got a little drunk and had a nice night there on friday and just enjoyed the port and it was wonderful there's a lot of great art around the port um, and just a good vibe and it's a, it's an area that's really reinvigorating in many ways as far as its development um, goes as well as um, just the culture down there as well which is wonderful so we just enjoyed the port for a day didn't get in the car we just walked wherever we could we uh, went to a couple of thrift stores and um, I picked up an Isaac Asimov like hardcover of like all the foundation novel like foundation um, stories which is I was do- stoked about and um found a screenplay for Monty Python's Life of Brian, like scrapbook Monty Python book thing. I was just, just fucking shit like that was wonderful. Um, I always look for, you know, you go into thrift stores and I'm always looking for if there's a, someone's for some reason donated an old port jersey or something like that. But the only things I saw in there were crow stuff. So <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. People are giving away the first stuff and the port stuff's being snatched up. So good stuff. But um, yeah, just a wonderful day hanging around the port. Beautiful sunny day and just um it's just a wonderful area down there and um you know it, it's one of those areas like many places around the world um you know went through fundamental changes when um shipping and and trade and stuff like that has gone through so many changes over the years and had to work out what its next phase was going to be but it's um really vi- reinvigorating and redeveloping in a wonderful way and down in the Port Adelaide area so um port fans locally will know but um anyone that's looking to travel when travel can be an easy more easily accessible thing um yeah i'll be i'd love to have um love to meet um anyone that's looking to come over and experience port games and and show you around the port a little bit and just around the area because it's it's just wonderful so yeah we stayed there friday night as well um and then checked out and um 
went went into the city for the port game essentially after having another breakfast in the port area that morning and then a couple more beers of pirate life then we headed into the port game so just a wonderful day to take it in and um oh the the catalyst for staying down there was the fact that i had the workshop and just we didn't want to do the long drive back to the brosser again i need to drive down for the game a couple of days later and just because i had the days off it worked so um it was wonderful and great and refreshing um as well as with the workshop being such a a great thing for me um as i try to get better at this and and like i said part of getting better at this is actually just having the confidence to to know that i you know even if i'm only talking to five or ten or whatever amount of people listen to the podcast um even it's no one i just enjoy it so um it was wonderful um and a great way to kind of just re rejig the confidence a little bit because sometimes i do get a little bit down on myself and wonder <laughs> wonder what i'm doing so it was wonderful but um yeah unfortunately that meant that with the the you know a couple of days away and stuff like that i i almost thought about doing the review podcast by just speaking into the speaker on my phone but just just didn't want to distract from um spending some time time with the wife as well so just decided that i would uh do a better a big bumper review and um and leave that leave the um, leave the preview because at the at the point that i was thinking i was going to do it i was spinning on wine anyway and it's probably not going to be very good so (laughs) it's very better to leave it to when i got home in the office in the familiar surrounds even though i've got beers next to me now and i'm enjoying some beers while i do it i'm in the comforting surrounds of the office and have all my my software and stuff here so i'm just in the zone um so to speak so yeah, anyway, I've rattled on. This might be the longest podcast I've done so far, apart from that um, epic uh, uh, mid-season review of all the teams, which just was a, a spiraling a spiraling exercise and chatting shit about other teams. Um, but yeah, back to the win. Uh, wonderful win, obviously, 95 points, and we're just peaking at the right time, which is wonderful. Um, as far as everything else goes, uh, yeah, great to have some, uh, great to address the questions from Ryan. That was lots of fun. Um, hope I gave you some some worth there, but otherwise, um, apologies. I'm just a fan anyway. So, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, no, I appreciate that, and um, we'll keep keep them coming, um, keep the interaction coming. It's wonderful, and and really, the reason we do this is to is to try to um, bring some just bring good positive chat to the Port Adelaide culture. So, um, which is wonderful. So, there's lots of good people out there, and we want to continue getting to know them. So, all good, good win. Great stuff, Port. Um, we're just peaking at the right time, and I'm really fucking excited for this week's game against the Bulldogs to just see exactly where we're at against a team that's in our fellow top four positions. But um, until then, we'll uh, peace out and have another beer and uh, be back with you later in the week to chat some Western Bulldogs and uh, be for the finals. Let's go. Can't appear. <laughs>